mimicry had found humor in the professor and had won laughter by mocking him. The matter had developed into nearly an open feud, but little Tom Little, inwardly caring desperately what the world thought of him, but outwardly a swaggering satirist, had continued merrily. The mockery always went well with the crowd, just as the professor did not. Little Tom Little, in the sideshow, would get the crowd after the professor was done and very cunningly would tell their fortunes in a doleful voice which made the tent billow from the resulting laughter. These crowds, sensing evil, had not liked to believe what the professor had said. And the gypsy camp had laughed with little Tom Little, even though no man but he dared to affront the professor. The professor had not forgotten his powerlessness to turn aside those quips. He had not forgotten that a man just thirty inches tall had held him up to ridicule for months. He had said nothing, but he was dying now. And he was glad to die, secure as he was in a knowledge of the glories which awaited him elsewhere. In dying, he would find himself at last. But he could not forget little Tom Little. No, he would remember little Tom Little with a legacy. He had already made out the paper. Someone was coming up the aisle of the car, and then the doorknob rattled and little Tom Little entered the stateroom. Water ran from his tiny poncho as he took it off. The professor moved a little on his pillow so that he could see his visitor, whose head was just above the height of the bunk. Little Tom Little's handsome self, usually so gay, was now steeped in seriousness. He felt that he ought to feel highly sympathetic, and yet he could not understand exactly why, out of the whole crew, he had been sent for at this moment for the physician outside had told him that the professor could not last long. He was repelled, as always, by those filmed eyes, for little Tom was not a brave man for all his front. He waited for the professor to speak. You are wondering, said the professor, why I have sent for you. His voice was very low, and little Tom had to put his ear close to the evil-smelling lips. In your mind, you are turning over the reasons for this. I must put you at ease, for I have always respected you. Little Tom was startled. Yes, I have seen much to admire in you. On the lot about me, men are afraid. They spread away from me when I approach. But you, you were brave, Tom Little. You did not cower away. You had steel enough in you not only to meet me and speak to me, but you also had courage enough to risk my wrath, a thing which all other men feared. Little Tom had not considered that his mockery required so much nerve. It was not courage, he protested, trying to say something decent to a dying man. You just imagined. No, I did not imagine. Men slink from me for a peculiar reason, little Tom. They slink from me because I impel them. Yes, that is the truth. I force them away. 
I want nothing to do with men, for I loathe all mankind. I impelled them, little Tom Little. Long before now, you must have realized that I command strange and subtle arts beyond the understanding of these foolish and material slaves of their own desires. Whatever little Tom Little had expected to hear from a dying man, this certainly was far from it. In common with everyone, he had suspected these things, but he had been urged to derision instead of terror, not through understanding, but by nature. By such command, continued the professor, I am now able to leave this world for one far better, knowing exactly where I am going. But behind me I shall leave a little more than a corpse. I have a few things here. Oh, you're not going to die, said little Tom Little. If I be